0: You're listening to the Harborside Church podcast. To connect with us online, go to www.harborside.org. We hope you enjoy this message. Good morning and welcome to church. My name's Dave. I'm pastor here at Harborside Church. And thank you everyone for your contributions. Thank you, Rita and Jim. So good to see your faces. Not only the kids enjoyed that, we all did. And thank you, Tara, for your wonderful prayers. And lovely to hear an update from you, Daniel and Amy. It's great to hear how you guys are going. Welcome, everybody on Zoom. It is nice to see your faces. And everybody tuning in on Facebook Live and also on the website. It's really great to be together. I am going to be bringing us our message for today. But before we do, I do that, I just want to give you an update of where we are heading. Um, most of us know that from tomorrow gatherings in churches and other places uh, can gather, people can gather up to 50 people. Now we are excited at this opportunity to potentially meet together as a church soon, but we want to let you know it's not going to be happening right away. We want to, when we come back, we want to do it well and we want to do it safely and properly. And so we're taking our time coming up with a COVID safe plan and all that kind of good stuff. So we ask that you bear with us. Please be patient. We're just trying to figure out all the logistics of maybe having multiple services or what it looks like to have people through this facility, all that stuff. So we want to let you know that certainly for the next week or two, we will be meeting like this online. It won't be together, but we're hoping that in about two weeks time, we'll be meeting together. So All that to say is bear with us and we will be in touch. We'll probably even have more information for you this coming week. So thanks for your patience. We are really looking forward to meeting together. As much as I love speaking to a bit of glass, I'm looking forward to speaking to people in person. All right, well, let's continue with our series called The Dreamer, The Story of Joseph. That's what we're going to be doing this morning, diving into chapter 41 of Genesis. I don't know about you, I've found it a great series. I've found it really encouraging to preach and hear other people preach from and just to see where God is taking us on this journey because we know His Word is alive and active and speaks to us today. Now, last week, we found and left our main character in prison in Egypt, unjustly there, experiencing a period of waiting. But what we noticed was His period of waiting was not wasted. God was working in him in his waiting and God was with him in his waiting, preparing him for what was next. We learned that nothing is wasted by God. No seasons are lost cause, no experience is meant for nothing. God uses everything to shape our character, to make us more like Christ. Now this week, we witness an amazing turn of events for our main character, Joseph. All that preparation, all that time in waiting, all the struggle of of trying to be faithful and not knowing what's on the end of it, God uses it all for this moment that we witnessed together this morning. We'll see that Joseph is blessed beyond measure, beyond all imagination, he's blessed. But for what purpose? Why? For what reason? That's what I want to talk about this morning. It's significant for him, of course, but for you and I today as well. Why are we blessed? For what purpose? For what reason? Well, that's what I want to talk about today. So we're going to dive into chapter 41 of our narrative this morning. Now, a bit of background. We remember, right, Joseph is one of 12 brothers. He is the second youngest and he is the favourite, the darling of his father that causes so much family dysfunction in their family unit. The brothers are filled with hatred and jealousy. They want to kill him, but instead they sell him into slavery. He ends up in a foreign land in Egypt, serving at a high official's home. And he's their victim of injustice again, thrown into prison. Last week, we saw in prison, Joseph uh, meeting two people from Pharaoh's court. He takes care of them. They have dreams. He has uh, experience with dreams and interprets them correctly for them. One is unfortunately executed and the other is returned to the right hand of Pharaoh, a very high position of power. And Joseph says, when you get back there, please remember me. And he doesn't. He forgets Joseph. Well, that brings us to chapter 41 today. Uh, Two years have passed. Between where we left Joseph and where we find him now. The cupbearer, that is the person whose dream was fulfilled, that went back to his prior place of status, he's back at the side of Pharaoh and he's forgotten Joseph until this moment, until Pharaoh dreams some dreams. More dreams in the story. Pharaoh dreams some pretty bizarre dreams, as we all, some of our dreams are pretty quite bizarre. His are as well. He dreams too. The first one, he dreams of seven fat, healthy-looking cows coming out of the very important, significant River Nile. They come out of the River Nile and start grazing on some grass. Seven more cows come out of the river, but they look skinny and ugly and gaunt, and they eat the healthy cows. Pharaoh wakes up. Weird dream. Goes back to sleep, has another dream. He dreams of a stalk growing with seven healthy grains budding. And then another stork with seven unhealthy looking grains budding. They eat the healthy grains and he wakes up. Weird dream again. Now, Pharaoh, we don't exactly know why, but he, he feels like these are very significant dreams. They have weight to them and he must have them interpreted. That He feels like they have a lot of special meaning. So he calls for his wise men, his magicians, and they are no help. Then we have a pivotal moment in the story, the cupbearer that have forgotten Joseph is hearing all this go on at the side of Pharaoh and he remembers Joseph. He remembers, oh, I know a guy who can help with dreams. Now we're not entirely sure if he forgot about Joseph because it was inconvenient for him to mention Joseph or whether he really just forgot him. But all this talk about dreams has either made him feel like he wants to talk about Joseph or it has jogged his memory, we're not sure. But he does talk about Joseph to Pharaoh to potential expense to himself. It's never a a great thing to remind your boss of a time you've really disappointed them, is it? Remember that time that I really let you down? Well, this is what the cupbearer does. Pharaoh, there was a time when you were really angry with your servant. You sent him to prison. There I met someone who can maybe help with dreams. I think this person could help you. So Pharaoh calls for Joseph and in a matter of moments, he is brought before the king of Egypt the Pharaoh. Now, knowing all that we do about the story of Joseph, it's amazing to witness just how fast things change for Joseph. Pharaoh obviously wants him to interpret his dreams. He says, I hear you're good with dreams. Can you help? Now, it is so surprising what Joseph says. What's the first thing he says in front of one of the most powerful people in the world? I can't do it. I can't do it, but God can. If you take nothing else away from this message this morning, that's worth remembering. I can't, but God can. Joseph says, I can't do it, but God can. He will give you, what does he say? But God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Now, Joseph, he reminds us of a key point in the whole story of Joseph. The dreams are from God. He is moving the story along, maybe not acting in miraculous ways. There's no parting of the Red Sea here. But God is working still, of course, through his quiet hand of providence, moving the story along. Of course, the dreams are from him. Therefore, the interpretation belongs to him. So Pharaoh tells the contents of the dream of Joseph. And then Joseph interprets these very uh, significant dreams. They both have the same meaning. They tell of the next 14 years of the future of Egypt, and really the whole surrounding world. Next 14 years, it's a prediction. First seven years, going to be prosperous and fantastic. Next seven years, incredibly awful famine. So bad that no one is going to remember the good years. Now, the two dreams are like a two-time confirmation, quite significant in their culture, meaning God is definitely going to do this. This is definitely going to happen. There's no uncertainty about it. Now, what happens next is another surprising thing about Joseph, particularly considering his status. At this point, he's still a prisoner. What does he do? He offers his opinion to the king. Now, I imagine in some cultures, maybe even today, offering your opinion to someone like the king uninvited was a pretty dangerous thing to do. But he does it because God has been preparing him for this very moment. Joseph shows that he's got good ideas, that he's got a good mind and and shows how he he knows how to handle this oncoming calamity. Tax the grain, store it, distribute it, put someone trustworthy in charge. He lays out his plan and Pharaoh likes it. Maybe Pharaoh's a big picture kind of guy. He likes the fact that someone's over the details and he says, you think someone trustworthy should take care of this? You are that man. And he elevates him. This is hard to get our heads around. He elevates him to second in command in all of Egypt. Whether this was really the second in command or maybe there was a few sort of vice principles, if you will, of the area. We're not entirely sure, vice regents. Either way, he's gone from prisoner, slave prisoner, doesn't get much lower, to second in charge of all of Egypt, an enormous elevation. But of course, as we know, it's been a long road of preparation, as we've seen. Now, the rest of the chapter, of chapter 41, is filled with a ceremony where Pharaoh entrusts Joseph with this new office and really all the things that go with it. It's just a picture of Joseph flourishing in a foreign land. And as we can see, he has not forgotten the God who has not forgotten him. That comes out clearly in the way he names his children. So... Here we are. We've witnessed an enormous change of events in our story, right? Joseph, from second youngest, hated little brother in his family of origin, the favourite of his father, sold sold, sold, sold into slavery by his own flesh and blood, a slave in the household of a powerful Egyptian, victim of terrible, unjust circumstances, thrown into prison. There he waits for 11 to 13 years. Finally, through this long journey, he is raised up to an incredibly high level in a foreign land with the almighty task of leading Egypt through probably the worst thing they've seen in generations. What a story! And it's not finished yet. What a story. What a God. Now, there's a lot we can talk about. There's several sermons in here, really, of of what we can glean from this passage. There's so much. I mean, even... Think about the importance of remaining faithful, even when you don't necessarily know the fruit of what's to come. What about the importance of great leadership? We're going to see that more and more. The importance of great leadership in a crisis. Haven't we seen that in our COVID era, how different nations have gone with different leaders? The importance of a steady hand of good planning, well-executed leadership can save many lives. Now, both of those points are worthy of their own sermons. But what I want to focus on here is just one thing in our remaining few minutes, just one thing here. Check out the final verse of chapter 41. It's verse 57. And all the world came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was very, sorry, famine was severe everywhere. All the world came to this man, son of a shepherd from the middle of nowhere. Now, why is this important? It's important because we can now see the promises of God are being fulfilled. See, to reverse the curse of the fall, God promised in chapter 12, three things to Abraham. What were they? People, land and blessing. That through these people, God would use them as an instrument to bless all the nations And now, finally, it's starting to happen. It's coming to pass. The whole world comes to Joseph. Who's he? A direct descendant of Abraham. To what? To receive life. The whole world is blessed through one of God's people because of what God gave Joseph and what he is doing through him. And, of course, we know that the whole world is blessed through another descendant of Abraham, Jesus Christ. Through his death and resurrection, all who come to him can receive the life that is truly life, true spiritual life. And and here's the thing. This is still God's plan for the world. He wants to, through his people, bless the world. God gives gifts and talents to... Sorry, God gives people gifts and talents to use, not for our own benefit, not even, I would argue, just for the benefit of the church, but to promote flourishing in God's good world. Let me give you an example. There's so many examples I thought of this week, uh, but I like this one. I found it kind of cheeky and helpful. Scott Harrison is the now fairly well-known CEO of Charity Water, a phenomenal charity that, Uh, brings clean water to the world's poorest, an amazing, amazing NGO. But not always. That wasn't always there. And Scott wasn't always like this. Uh, He grew up in a Christian home, but pretty common story, ran away from home as soon as he was old enough to the big city to New York. And there he um, clawed his way up through the pretty gritty nightclub scene to become a very successful nightclub promoter. And he did that for about 10 years and he made it. You know, he had everything that you would think equaled success. Many people looked at his life and thought he'd made it. You know, fast cars, expensive watches, all that kind of stuff, pretty girls, amazing apartment. Problem was, God messed things up for him. Ten years in, Scott had a spiritual awakening and viewed all the success that he had through a totally different lens and he gave it all up. He saw the last 10 years of his life as being wasted. Now, were they? But he at that time thought, I've just wasted 10 years of my life. I want to tithe one year. And so he thought, what I want to do is I want to go to a charity and just give one year of my life because of the 10 years that I've wasted. Problem was, no charity would take him. His nightclub credentials didn't look so good on his resume, so no Christian charity would take him. Finally, one did. But as he was about to go, he thought, what can I do? What can I offer? He thought about it long and He thought, I know, I can promote things. And so finally, Mercy Ships took him on to document what they were doing, the work they were doing, and Scott did a fabulous job telling the stories of the amazing work this this medical ship was doing in the poorest countries of the world. Now, he helped raise a good deal of money using the connections he had and also raised the profile of this awesome organization. Now, along the way as well, God planted a seed for what would become charity water, because he saw all these poor people riddled with diseases, and the cause of many of them was dirty water. So now, charity water has helped millions of people access clean water around the world. It's a a fantastic story, and it's so encouraging. Scott used what he had for others, for redemptive purposes. But at first look, you wouldn't think what Scott had could be used in a way to promote human flourishing, a a seedy nightclub promoter, (laughs) but God can and does work with anything. Now, our natural tendency, I think, if you're like me, is, is going to be to want to use what we have, the gifts and talents, for ourselves, or at least for a small network surrounding ourselves, and that's sin working in us. But Jesus Christ flips everything on its head, saying true greatness is found in giving ourselves away. But here's the thing, right? As followers of Jesus, we will find using what we have in the service of others difficult and wearisome if we aren't first blessed with how Jesus Christ did this for us because he's not primarily our example. He is primarily our saviour that does this for us now what did christ do with all he had for us 2 corinthians 8 9 says this for you know the grace of our lord jesus christ that though he was rich for your sake he became poor so that you through his poverty might become rich jesus christ leveraged what he had to bless Those that would turn to him. True greatness is now found not in being served, but serving others. So let me ask you, what have you got? What have you got? He will use whatever you have, what we have, if we'll give it to him. So what have you got? A beautiful voice, handy with some tools. That's not me, but handy with some tools, skilled with a paintbrush. Great at engaging kids. Good at helping others understand difficult concepts. Maybe a a listening ear for people in need. Maybe an ability to just notice things about people that others just don't. Maybe a gift with numbers, a gift with spreadsheets of of seeing how things fit together. Maybe you're excellent with admin, excellent with organisation. Maybe you can see things that aren't yet. Maybe you're great at bringing people together, which is difficult to do, bringing teams of people together. You know what? Maybe your body just works well athletically. Whatever it is, God can use. Will you give it to Him? And will you give it in service of others like Christ gave Himself for us? You know, resting in what Christ gave to us gives us the freedom to give our all in the service of others because we're not doing it to make a name for ourselves. We're not doing it to prove ourselves. We don't need to. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we we thank you for this amazing story of Joseph. It's incredible to see how your promises are fulfilled no matter what. Lord, we we know that you give us gifts and talents to use, not for our benefit, but to bless your great and wonderful world. And we want to do that. But Lord, sometimes we find it difficult to know how. Reveal to us what we have. It might be unexpected, but Lord, we know that you want to work through us. And so we ask that by your Holy Spirit, you would help us to, to take stock of what you've given us. And Lord, give us a servant heart to serve you and others. In Jesus' mighty name.